welcome back. You're listening to Those Trans Guys Podcast, a podcast focused on everyday education and experiences about trans men. Hello, and welcome back to a new episode of Those Trans Guys. Happy New Year, and welcome to 2021. I hope that it's a better year for all of us. I hope that you all had a good and safe and happy New Year's, despite everything that's going on. I'm welcomed again by my co-host, Aiden. Say hi, Aiden. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Happy 2021. Man, what a crazy year we've had. I'm sure we're all pretty stoked to leave 2020 behind. I'm not sure what you guys did on the 31st, but I spent it with my dog, my pug, actually, counting down. There wasn't really much going on, but I'm quite all right with that. Plus, COVID definitely made it harder this year to go out and celebrate, you know? For sure. I watched TV with my cats. How eventful. But it was okay, and I was okay with that. It's been quite the year, so it's nice to be quiet and chill. If you think about it, time is all but just a concept, and partying on New Year's Eve is overrated if you ask me. I mean, why would I go out and party on that day when I already party every single day? Well said. (laughs) This week's topic is, well, in my opinion, an important one, and one that I hope will help others understand our struggles that we face from actually quite a very early and young age. I hope some of you can understand what we face. It's all internal, but a lot of it is how we see our external self. Aiden, how about you start and tell them what our topic is? All right. To start off, I'm going to say this one will be a very difficult topic to cover and definitely a longer one. Not because it's difficult to talk about, but because so many people do not know what the word actually means. Dysphoria. For sure. It's one that we face daily as trans people. It's never really easy and it doesn't really go away and never really is easier with every passing day. It's very simply a term that describes a sense or unease that a person may face because of a mismatch between their biological sex and their gender. Many get confused between gender and identity, and that can come up in another topic down the road. But when you're born a woman and feel like a man, that's a struggle right there. And we face it and the gender and everything else that we feel inside. So when we struggle with our body parts not aligning and how we want to identify, that's dysphoria. You 100% couldn't have said it better. Most people confuse gender dysphoria with gender dysmorphia, but those are completely separate. Will you describe and explain them? Because I'm also not sure either, so it would be helpful if you could explain them. Yeah, for sure. All right. So gender dysphoria is basically a sense of an ease you earlier described, which could eventually lead to symptoms of anxiety and depression. And those symptoms can only progress if left untreated, which is why so many trans folks unfortunately commit suicide. Of course, that will be a topic left for another day because of its seriousness and how in-depth we can get with that. But on one hand, dysphoria can lead to much more serious issues down the road if not properly addressed at a certain age. If you're asking me like what age you want to be addressed this by, it can't be, I can't be the one to tell you that because everyone is different, but it will eventually need to be addressed. No matter how far back you push it away, it'll eventually find its way back into your life and demand your attention. With dysmorphia, those folks usually suffer with how they look distortedly. They're not the ones who suffer from depression and anxiety because they were born into the wrong bodies. They're usually the ones suffering from the way they look because their internal views of themselves 
are distorted. Not saying it won't lead to depression and anxiety. Of course, any mental illness can do that to you. But the majority of the time, the flaw they are so quietly obsessing over, it usually doesn't exist or it's made up in their head. And if that flaw actually is apparent and other people can see it as well, then majority of the time, their view of that flaw is extremely exaggerated. What I'm trying to say is dysphoria and dysmorphia are two different things that many people seem to confuse and mix up. Sure. Well said. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Not everyone knows what we face, and that's why we're here trying to help others understand even the slightest of the struggles that we have every day. It's hard to word it and make it make sense because there isn't really a simple way to put it. There are a few ways we can try to help it or ease it in the moment, but it's an everyday struggle we face no matter what. It's always going to come up in situations and we just have to be prepared for it and try and handle it the best way we can. There's some words like packers and binders if surgery isn't available yet, but those are little things we learned as we went on. There's not really a book about how to be trans. They're just some terminologies that we learn about as we go. And hopefully it can bring up in a few topics down the road in the podcast. But these things we learned about later and I didn't know about them when I first started. It happened later on in, in my transition. So that's why these things I'm wanting to share and educate people with so that they can understand and learn and have a better idea of what we face every day. 100%. I wish there was a guide on how to be trans because I would have been on that so quickly. But you're right, there isn't a book, unfortunately. You have to go by experience and don't even get me started on those damn binders. I would have rather suffocated in 30 to 40 degree weather than be seen with a chest during the summertime. It was hell. But of course, when I was younger, I didn't know what any of that meant. I only thought everyone was as unhappy with their bodies as I was. What did I know? I was just a kid. For sure. And I mean, a lot of people I I read about actually on YouTube had a burning party where they took their binders and burnt them in the fire, which is a bit graphic. But I threw mine out in the garbage can and I was happy with that too. But um, not everything can fix what we see in the mirror or ease any pain. It barely relieves it for a second, but that's the best we can do in the time being. And it's hard, but the best thing we can say is you have to bind healthy and there isn't really a healthy way to do it, but the binder does justice in the time. And of course, wearing baggy shirts also helps, but at the end of the day, it's still there until it's removed surgically. We can discuss binding in another episode, but I hope these terms will help you understand kind of the terminology around the struggles we face and what helps in the meantime. The worst thing is that we weren't born into the body that we wish we'd been born into, but we try our best to relieve it the best way we can. Packing is also another one which can temporarily relieve the pain, but at the end of the day, surgery is our answer. It can be beautiful, but also challenging to be trans. We aren't who we wish we want to be, and we have to struggle with the dysphoria. And you're right, when we're young, we didn't know these terms. We only knew something didn't fit. So we hope that this kind of helps a lot of other people out there to understand and and be educated on what we face. It's not easy and it's a struggle. Yeah, and that's the thing. Our childhood was full of these feelings that were hitting us from left and right, and we didn't know what to do with them. At the time, it was more of me thinking, why can't I go play with the boys? Why do I have to act quote unquote feminine? Why do I have to put that on? My childhood was filled with a lot of whys and not a lot of answers. 
And as I got older, those questions were in the back of my head. But of course, like any teenager, I wanted to be normal. But really, what is normal nowadays? So I guess I suppressed them in hopes that I would fit in. My feelings, I mean. And I never really did fit in. Because those questions eventually just came back in forms of self-hatred, anxiety, and depression. At that time, I did my best to suppress those feelings with alcohol and by keeping myself busy. But obviously, if you ignore something long enough, it'll just come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah, for sure. And I feel you the same way. I was not myself and yet alone wearing a dress for grad after telling my mom, please, can I wear a suit? Now, of course, she understands when I when we talked about it, but she never saw that because she saw me as a beautiful girl. And I didn't like that. I didn't feel the same way. I was never okay. I was always struggling. And when I say I was depressed, I, I was. I didn't like looking at photos of me. And I didn't like how my friends said that I was so happy and yada, yada. And they didn't really understand till later. Only a few of them did. But at the time, you know, they were all trying to fit in with everyone else. So I wasn't happy and I was struggling. And I didn't like how I looked then and don't even like looking at it now. It was hard and challenging, yet alone getting bullied. And I never felt like I fit in compared to my brother. So we were going through puberty first, and now we're going through it again. And it's hard because I never liked myself then. And it's hard to look back at it. So, And family said, you have to do it this way, but you're wanting to go that way. And you're feeling the opposite. So we had to find out ourselves what we felt over time. It was confusing. It was hard. And it was not fun. And now we're going through puberty in a different way. And it's beautiful rather than despising it. So that was my struggle. And I never felt like I fit in either. I never really had that group of friends that understood what I was going through. They all were forcing me to be in another opposite path when I wanted to go that way. But now they understand, but then they didn't. So how about you, Aiden? What about your struggles with relationships or family or anything? Did anything help? Mm, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I, I definitely have encountered some struggles growing up. I mean... At a young age, I knew I was unhappy with my body and myself. I couldn't pinpoint exactly why because I didn't know what the word trans or the word dysphoria even meant. When I finally put the pieces together and I did a little bit of research myself, it only made sense that I identified as a trans male with gender dysphoria. The pieces that were put together in front of me I didn't really know what to do with myself. I mean, they were there, but I just, it was just like, you know, there. I didn't really know how to go about getting rid of the dysphoria or how to present as male or any of those things. So, of course, I looked to YouTube. But some days that doesn't really fix what is deep inside and what I have suppressed for so long. You know, it's just, you'll always be there. and. I mean, some days I still don't know what to do with myself, but it's a lot better than it was in the past because it has been five years since I have came out, almost six years now, actually. So over time, it does get better and my dysphoria has alleviated, but there are days that it will come up when you least expect it. And I have to say that getting top surgery, it got rid of 80% of my dysphoria. Well, that's awesome. So we both are in the same boat with that. I know for me, I had top surgery, I guess, almost three years now, and I've been on hormones about six as well, close to it. And it's made such a difference. I mean, it hasn't fixed everything, but it's made 
honestly, no pun intended, the biggest weight off my chest. And it's been great. It's been the best three years ever knowing that I can do things differently now. So, but I know for a fact that I was raised as a girl. And so when I was forced to continue to be that I, and act like it, it made it so much harder because I was believing it, but then at the same time battling myself and it telling me, no, that's not right. That's not who you are. It was a very hard, challenging couple of years until I could come out. So I was forced to marry a guy and have kids and have a fairy tale life and start my life off. And my family didn't know what I was feeling. So of course, no hard feelings to them, but, and then, cause I didn't know either what I was going through. It made it more challenging, but now they can look back and say, you're right. Like you were struggling and this is why, and we didn't know. And I'm sure you didn't know either. So, but a lot of the things my mom kind of can say, you're right. Like there's a couple of things that came up that now I can see that make sense now. And now you're living your authentic life. So like Aiden said, top surgery, it helped a lot and it isn't the whole thing, but it made things a lot easier. It did a lot of justice and changed my life, honestly, for the better. I can stand taller, wear things differently, present myself better. Even going to the gym, like that was my least favorite activity to do because I couldn't wear a shirt that didn't show off my chest. So now I can wear a tank top or a tight fitting shirt and build up my chest and be happier and more comfortable in my skin. So when I started dating, I was struggling too because I wasn't sure if I could be happy with my partners, well, one partner in particular, but even later on in life when I wasn't dating that person, I feel like dating is it's better for sure than it was. So um, I was fighting myself and now I'm not. So, but I was, I did a lot of research as well. There wasn't a guidebook or a handbook I could look at. Like I was kind of alone in the small town before I moved here and I didn't have that resource. So YouTube did a lot and and following people's journeys. And that kind of introduced me to the terminology and how to start. So now I'm not fighting myself anymore. I can stand tall and, and be brave. So, and it all clicked. And now I'm happier than I ever been. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. It definitely is a journey. And the day that everything clicks in your head is the day that everything starts to make sense. And you couldn't have said it better. Being truly happy with our partner requires us to be happy with ourselves first. And when we're unable to meet our partner's needs, how are we supposed to meet our our own needs? You know, so it's just all trial and error at the end of the day. And we have to eventually find that path that makes us happy. And dysphoria, no matter what path that we take, dysphoria will be a part of that path, unfortunately. Maybe when we reach a point where we're fully transitioned and we're completely happy with ourselves, then we won't have any dysphoria. But until then, it will here and there creep up on our bad days, maybe even some good days. But all that matters is we get past it. And dysphoria struggles, it ranges from us not being happy with our body to it being mental, you know? And it's not it's just surface level, you seeing someone with gender dysphoria, like there is so much more deeper than that. And I guess we can jump into the struggles of trans man that we face with dysphoria. And the first thing that I can think of top of my head is it links back to wearing a binder and us not wanting to have a chest is before surgery. I'm sure Peyton can agree as well. We are constantly 
pulling at our shirt to avoid looking like we have a chest. And we can't even wear any kind of shirts that are remotely tight because if they're tight, that means you're seeing everything that's underneath. And if you're seeing everything that's underneath, you know for a fact that we have a chest if we're not, if we haven't gotten surgery yet anyway. But that's the thing, like us constantly having to pull our shirts and us having to wear a binder in 30 to 40 degree weather when it's burning hot outside and us going to the gym and wearing a binder and us changing, you know, those are all things that could lead to dysphoria and it's just all surface level, the things that you see. And it's just a lot deeper than that, you know? And yeah, that's all I have to say. Peyton, do you have anything else that you want to add to that for struggles as a trans man with dysphoria? Yeah. So to touch on that one too, like I did not like wearing a binder at work, yet alone anywhere else in society, but I was changing in a change room where it's a public place. So obviously people were coming in and out and they thought it was a guy until they saw my binder once. And then that's when the rumor started. That was a long time ago, but did not have to wear a binder anymore. Saved me a lot. So, but nonetheless, now I'm accepted at work. They just saw it first. So anyways, um, but another thing that we worry about is the bulge that men have that we don't have. So people look at a guy as they do any other person in society to check out their body and they expect to see a bulge and there's nothing there. So it's non-existent to us. So with Packers, we, place it there so it's like a like a bulge but they don't know that but if we don't have one i know i've i've got a lot of looks when i wear certain pants that or even sweatpants too a lot of the guys wear them nowadays there's a bulge and when we don't have one they're like wait a minute so we're paranoid about it and then they see it and it's the whole awkward combination so that's one that i've noticed a few times especially wearing certain pants or jeans there's no bulge so they're gonna wonder and then i wonder and it makes us like that awkward moment in society. <laughs> no, I feel you. It's, I think it's just like more of us being extremely paranoid most of the time, because it, if you think about it, why are straight males looking at other males' genitals? If, if you really think about it, like why is anyone looking at other people's genitals in public? So I think it's just us being extremely paranoid but at the same time I know what you mean because I get that paranoia as well like when I'm going outside I'm wearing my Adidas sweatpants you know any kind of sweatpants actually even shorts if you're at the gym baggy shorts and you're laying down doing you know maybe a chest press and you have to you know lift your weights obviously and you're lying down and then your your pants are just like so skin tight to your legs that you don't have a bulge and everyone's just like at the gym working out looking at your bulge but that's in the reality that's not really what's happening it's just us being extremely paranoid and that's where dysphoria comes in you know it's just our brains wired to think that everyone is onto us and everyone knows that we're not man enough and we're not actually a male but really, it you know, it's just our dysphoria telling us that at the end of the day. And that's just one of the things that all trans men have to go through, unfortunately. And like I said, the not being man enough, that leads to it, you know, coming up in the relationship. It's us not being man enough for our partner. You know, like, oh, she could have any guy out there. Why would she want to settle for me? You know, I like I don't have a dick right now. Sorry, that's it could be triggering just saying that but like you know bottom surgery it could it's not in the picture right now you know but 
for her, she doesn't see us like that. Like she loves us for a reason. She's with us for a reason. But it's at the end of the day, our dysphoria is just there in the back of our heads, our heads. And it's just no matter what, just kind of like nitpicking everything that we do and everything that we say. And it's just constantly there and using public washrooms as well. Do you wanna do you have anything to say about that pain? I know that's something that we always have to encounter when we go into a restroom. And it's honestly, it could be terrifying to certain people, but to us it is troubling as well. You know? Well, I think back when I was newly on the transition, it was more of a struggle than it is now. I'm not saying it's not now, but sometimes you're in a situation where there's no stalls and there's a lineup for the the urinals and people look at you funny when you don't want to go. And then you're kind of getting that awkward state. So if there's no um, gender neutral bathroom, then you're kind of stuck. So nowadays it's been better than before that there's more options to use a different bathroom. But if there's only a man and a woman and you're stuck going to the man side, but there's no stall, then men look at you funny and you're like, Oh, so it's that awkward situation. So and then there's the whole stand to pee devices that people have been using to help a little bit. But to me, that seems more sketchy and risky. Like they're a bit more tedious and time consuming than you think. And even with bottom surgery, like it's still kind of tricky to go about things and it relieves some dysphoria for sure, but it can also be not always successful and not always kind of what you envisioned. And I don't think some partners understand that when you get bottom surgery, that it's not like a normal dick. There's still, it's not the perfect thing. So when you go to the bathroom and you have to change, if you haven't had surgery yet, like that can bring up a lot of struggles and fears too, because people are going to be looking at you when you're changing. And then they compare you, of course, to a normal man's body. So that's something that I've come across when I've used public bathrooms and change rooms, especially at the gym, like when Dana and I go work out. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people, especially cis men, even though we never really know if they're actually cis, because you never really know what someone is underneath until you really get to know them as a person, you know? So at the end of the day, it's just us, our dysphoria, making us a little bit more paranoid than we actually need to be. And another thing is, another struggle is... um, Peyton and I are a little bit shorter <laughs> than your average male. I am 5'3". What are you? You're like 5'4", right? Like 5'5", five, ish, but yeah, close to 5'4". Yeah, Yeah, and an average male, from what I know, like I, I was researching online because I actually wanted to know how tall an average male is, and it should be like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, apparently, so we're a little bit shorter than that, so... I know a lot of girls like dating men that are taller than them. And so we're not going to win in that, you know, that field category. So, I mean, we're good people. So that's all that matters, right? Yeah, exactly. No, I I don't know. Like I've seen some short cis guys in the world, but like averagely when I get on the sky train to go to work or walking down the street, like a lot of men are about five, six, five, seven, maybe five, eight. You know, and like mm-hmm. my brother and my dad are tall. My mom and I are short. Not saying that that matters, but like some people in my life who are cis men are not on the tall side. They're short too, but I'd say about 90% of them are all tall. So that's our struggle that we face. So yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? 
Yeah. So, and I know it's going to be triggering what I'm about to say, but, and I think we touched on it a little bit earlier in the episode, but we lose a lot of trans people to dysphoria based on suicide and how they're not happy with their body. So that's something that I'd like to talk about in another episode because it is in depth and the fact that not having surgery really affects us and affects trans people more than you can imagine. And then the fact that we're born in a wrong body from the beginning and not having surgery when we want it, not being able to afford it or the long wait lists or whatever, it all ties in to affect our mental health. Not everything is covered by healthcare or it could be private insurance, which is more expensive, or we have to travel really, really far, which can be quite the expensive trip as well. So some surgeries are new to the field too, like the bottom surgery and can be more risky if anything. So a lot of people have committed suicide and it's sad and they're not able to be in the bodies they wish they were. And it's just a lot of extra pain added to the layers that they already face in everyday society. So it's not easy. And then with this hurdle, it just adds a lot to the plate already. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think dysphoria is something you can live with day in and day out and you'll be fine and dandy but that is definitely not the case because over time it'll start taking a toll on your mental health like Peyton said suicide among trans folks is becoming more and more common gender dysphoria eventually can take one's life as unfortunate and as devastating as it is those are the facts that we're living with today and for some, dysphoria can be a sense of an ease, and for others, it can be like a never-ending cycle of dread. But at the end of the day, dysphoria is, is, is dysphoria, and there is no easy way around it. Exactly. And like we both had to wait quite some time for surgery. I had to wait all my life, and three years ago, I didn't know I could get it, but now I did. And it was the best decision ever. Like I wasn't at all worried or scared. Well, maybe a little bit, but I was just so excited and ready that it was overwhelming. Like I know a lot of people can get so emotional and cry and whatever, and not saying I didn't cry, but I think cause it had been so long and I was just, I knew it was the right and best thing. And I've been waiting all my life. I think the joy and the overwhelmingness just came over me that I just couldn't stop smiling and I still can't stop smiling sometimes when I look in the mirror to imagine that one simple surgery for about four hours or something changed my whole life. So around the stigma in society, it annoys me even to this day that they say you're not a true man because you were born a female. That's a lie. You haven't had all the surgery, so you're not a man. That's also a lie. You don't have a dick or you have a chest still. You're not a man. That's a lie. It's all in our minds and what we feel inside. And dysphoria is real. And it can undermine us and what parts you have. It only makes you, the other people, in the wrong. We're male no matter what. Absolutely. No matter how many times trans folks say this, people don't seem to understand that what you have in your pants does not equal to the gender that you are. And if any of you use the argument, what if I want to be a toaster? Please stop listening to this podcast. Because that is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What you have in your pants does not make up what gender or make up the gender that you are. It's what is in your brain that makes everything align together. And it makes you male or female or non-binary or anything in between. You know, it's just, it's what you have in your brain, not what you have, what you have in your pants. That's all I have to say. We should definitely get a tattoo. We've said that a few times, haven't we? Um, <laughs> Tell yourself out loud that your body does not define your gender. Put it on your mirror, make a sticky note, 
get a tattoo even. I mean, you know, can't control that. But don't let anyone tell you or talk you down for what you know you are inside. Like he said, if you want to be non-binary or bi, gay, whatever you are, you're who you are and that's what matters. This is my little advice to you. It's something that I had to overcome over the years, and I'm sure Aiden did too. It didn't happen overnight. It's not like we. it's completely gone and it's better than I was before, but it takes time, and, and then it makes you more brave and stand up to the, the negative people in your life, the society, the comments, everything. And it, I try and, and do my hardest to remember that, that I'm worthy and I am a man. Exactly. Do what makes you happy. You only have one life, and at the end of the day, it's your body. It's if what you are doing feels right and aligns with who you are, go for it. As long as you're not hurting anyone, you're good. Oh, and stop caring about what other people think. The day you stop caring is the day you're able to truly start being yourself. And if that means no longer having dysphoria, then I would have to say, it's a win-win and go for it. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing as well, Aiden, with all the stuff that we talked about and with our viewers. I think that'll really help. It's a very hard and touchy subject. And I think that it's one that we need to bring to light. So it's good that we talk about it and face it. And so many struggle behind the scenes, behind closed doors. And the fact that we can talk about it and bring it up to light is is very helpful. I hope that some people can be aware and and kind of understand what we go through and it's a challenging transition but it's also a beautiful one too so thanks for listening and we hope that this really helped and i hope that you can stay tuned again for next week's episode absolutely not many people know our struggles and don't care to educate themselves when it comes to dysphoria they think it's just us not being happy with our bodies when there is such such much more than that Sorry, I can't talk today. But um, us not being happy with our bodies is really just the surface level of where it all begins. Getting rid of dysphoria isn't and will not be an overnight thing. It will take months or even years, but it's the journey that counts. I hope our advice and insight has helped some of you today. And you can take it with a grain of salt or you can heed our advice and move forward. But that's all we have to say for today. Yeah, thanks again for listening, guys. And stay tuned for next week's episode. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple. Leave any comments or concerns or questions or even any topics that you want us to cover. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you and happy holidays. Mm -hmm. See you guys. Bye. Bye.